Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, and welcome to Animalia, the podcast. I'm Natasha, and thank you so much for tuning in. Remember to check out the website, AnimaliaThePod.com, for archived episodes and much more. Search Animalia, the pod on your favorite podcast platform or SoundCloud or YouTube for new episodes. You should also like and follow the Facebook and Instagram pages. And if you'd like to appear on the podcast, send an email to animaliathepod at gmail.com. This week on Animalia, we talk about what happens when a beloved member of the family crosses the rainbow bridge, as we say. Saying your final goodbye is often a difficult process, and you may consider what's the best way to memorialize the animal's time on Earth in a respectful and meaningful way. Our guest this week will explain one of the modern and environmentally sound ways for pet parents to do just that. She's the mother to five rescues and proprietor of Trinidad Pet Crematorium. Please welcome to Animalia, Kristen Agostini. Thank you very much, Kristen, for agreeing to appear on Animalia. First of all, let's start off by talking a little bit about you. Could you tell us about your life growing up with animals? What sort of relationships did you have? Oh, gosh. Well, I grew up, um, I actually grew up in the States, which you would figure out pretty quickly once I'm talking. Um, but I had animals of all varieties growing up, from tortoises to rabbits, dogs, of course, birds. So I grew up in a family that just loved animals, treated animals like family, and and that's only just developed as I've grown, right? And, and realized the needs for animal welfare and all of those things. So it's just been um, an entire life of developing a love for the animal community. Excellent. So when you came to Trinidad, uh, did that change at all? Or did you notice anything different based on where you're from and the context or the reality in Trinidad and Tobago when it comes to animal welfare? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think that there's some pretty severe differences just culturally how we treat animals. But, you know, people have always asked me throughout my time here, like, oh, it, you know, it must be so difficult to deal with such like stark difference in the animal communities from living in the States to here. And, and I always approach it from the position of we have so much room to grow and we have so much room to change how people treat animals and how we value our animals and how we love our animals. And even in the time that I've been here, I've seen such a difference. You see it in the pet shops evolving, the types of foods that are evolving, the expectations from veterinary care is evolving because we're starting to learn more and we're starting to understand that information and education is so vital to making a change. Right. And so I, don't look at it as negative or positive. I just look at it as different and as an opportunity, right? An opportunity to sort of support and assist a community that really needs it. Yep. We, and we do. Trust me, we do. I just 
saw a very harrowing video on Facebook a while ago from um, Venus Doggess of Love, that NGO based in Tobago. Apparently, someone had poisoned some dogs that live on Rockley Beach, and and um, Elspeth was trying to, and her friends were trying to save them. You know, it's it's a very different. I mean, Tobago is even different to Trinidad, right? But as you mentioned, the, the cultural differences, I agree that there is a lot of opportunity for growth and for change, but I think we don't seem to be, I don't know what it's like in the States, but we don't seem to be as on one accord or on the same page or singing from the same hymn sheet on a lot of issues. Do you agree? You know, I think so much of it comes with legislation and enforcement, right? You know, I always feel really positive, like you mentioned, Venus. There's so many animal advocates out there on and Mustafa Project and Tompak Rescues and all these pages that is just surrounded by people who love animals. And I choose to believe that there is a group of people that are uninformed and uneducated and don't understand, you know, how to treat animals. And and hopefully what we need is active legislation and enforcement. And that's the difference. I, th- I truly think that that's the difference in the States and in Trinidad is there, there's going to be bad people everywhere. There's going to be people that treat ba- animals badly in every community and in every culture, unfortunately, right? It breaks my heart, but it's just the, the, a matter of fact. But we can encourage a shift in legislature and, and it comes from the top down and we're enforcing these laws and these rules and, you know, we get police stepping in. And it's not just the animal advocates fighting and putting their lives on the line, but actually we're holding people's feet to the fire and saying, we're not allowed to treat people like this and we're not allowed to treat animals like this. And you don't get to take an animal's life into your own hands. Correct. Correct. But uh, on a lighter note, do you have any pets now that you're in Trinidad and what are their names? (laughs) 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 Their names. Oh gosh, this is the fun part. Okay. So I have five um, I have five rescues. I have Birdie Blue Skies Num Num. <laughs> yes, that is her full name if you ask her dad. Um, I have Jose Talk. <laughs> They're both small. Those are my first two rescues. And then I have Jackpot, Lord of Faisabad, first of his name. Uh, <laughs> and I have Biscuit. He only has because he's the naughtiest. <laughs> You don't have time to reprimand him with all those names. You just got to go straight for Biscuit. And then we have Brownie, who was a failed foster. And she just, she's risen in the ranks. She sleeps right next to me on my pillow. So <laughs> I always joke that I always have five and a half dogs because I, you know, work so closely with the rescue community that I always have a next foster at my house or a next, I'm watching a next dog for a next person. So we we have five and a half. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you're a dog lady. I actually am an all animal lady. I My dream is to have goats, <laughs> uh, mini cats. Yeah. Um, I'd love to have cats. Unfortunately, my husband is tremendously allergic. And I believe uh, I tried to sneak them in the house. <laughs> um, so he's, um, he's very patient with me and my sort of animal obsession. <laughs> Right, gotcha. And he's Trini, right? He is, yeah. He's Trini. So he was born and raised in the community. So even with him, you know, he's had animals his whole life. 
And I've had to really work with him on, you know, shifting how we treat animals. And of course he loves them and he's always been an animal advocate and um, grew up with animal advocacy, but nutrition and health care and and all of those things, you know, when I first told him, you know, our dog had to go in for a dental, I think he fainted. <laughs> you know, he's like, what, what, what? And I'm like, yes, of course. Yeah. You know, their teeth are just like ours. And I went through it with them. And now, you know, our, especially our older dogs, they get their dentals annually because, you know, now we as a family understand that the investment into these animals is just like our investment into our family. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So tell me about the Trinidad Pet Crematorium. I just happened upon it on Facebook and I said, well, this is such an interesting service. I mean, I know that there are other places that do it. I have had two of my own cats cremated. Mm -hmm. But what prompted the idea to have a crematorium for pets? Well, you know, as I mentioned, I've been working alongside the veterinary industry for a long time here in Trinidad, both in rescue and actually in clinic. And some of my, you know, colleagues were telling me, you know, what's happening to a lot of these animals after they are afterlife. And when people are making these really hard decisions for what happens next, there's not a lot of comfort and there are no actual registered pet crematoriums. So outside of just wanting to create a safe, soft space for pet lovers to know that what they're paying for and what's happening to the, with animals is done with integrity and respect and love. It's not just sort of getting sent off somewhere. We thought that was important, but there's also really uh, an environmental impact on a that is not regulated, both, you know, its impact on the atmosphere and its impact on what happens when we bury, especially if it's not a responsible burial. So when we realized that that was what was happening, um, we decided that we were going to put all of the steps in place to develop a crematorium that is eco-friendly, that is good for the environment, and where we know 100% that every single time we are saying goodbye to one of these loving pets, we are treating it with the utmost respect and dignity. So this process started about five years ago, and it's taken that long for us to actually go through the entire process and make sure that we are following all of the environmental regulations and that we're doing everything publicly and above board. Not that we're the first that cremates. It's just that we're the first ones who have actually done it following all of the uh, government agency's guidelines. And, and we think it's important and it matters, right? Our, our environmental impact is, this, is, is important just as our treatment of animals is important. It's all of our community and it all makes a difference in how we treat each other, pets, and how we treat our environment, right? It's all symbiotic. Yes, indeed. Uh, what are the considerations in if you want to bury or burial versus cremation what are the things that that impact environmentally and otherwise on on both kinds of disposal right so okay so as far as cremation is concerned we have a low emissions crematorium which means that we are smokeless there's fun terms in the crematorium <laughs> industry <laughs> like no, it's a whole thing, but there's yeah, smoke busters and this and that. But essentially what it means is that we filter out all of the gases, other aspects of what happens when a you have a body. 
Um, and we filter that out so that our carbon dioxide is super low and our smoke emissions are super low. We actually have Kariri that comes out and does our testing monthly to ensure that our impact on the environment is as low as possible. Um, we're really studying our carbon footprint and trying to make sure that we are being extra responsible with our impact and what we're doing in the community. As far as burial, I know that's really the traditional route that most Trinidadians have gone in the past. The trend has shifted in other countries, mostly because what they've realized is that there are diseases that spread both in your water source and soil. So a common one in Trinidad is lepto, and that can be transferred directly into your water source. So if you look in a, you know, if you're, when you're passing the betham, a lot of times when you think that you're getting quote unquote burial, your animals are ending up in the betham, which does not display a lot of love or integrity for the life of the animal. But beyond that, we don't want those diseases going into the water source for the community that lives in betham. We also don't want those diseases going into the wildlife water source and affecting our wildlife, right? Where we fish, where we swim and all of those places. So it's about protecting all of us, right? And even with soil burials, you know, if you take the animal into your backyard, which is really common, what we really want to make sure is that your animal did not die of tetanus. Tetanus is, is transferred through the soil and kills humans and our animals, right? So in euthanasia, drugs can also impact animals. So if, a, if some, an ocelot or a, um, an animal that's living out in the wild happened to dig up your animal from your backyard, they can also be impacted. So it's a matter of really assessing what's best for you and your life and what, what makes you feel better, right? And for me, I think of my animals and they have such an amazing life. And I know that my animals would want that for other wildlife as well. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> I never thought of all of those implications. And it's good that, that you've, you know, you've thought of these things. And it, it sounds like a really very carefully... Um, thought out and planned intervention, I want to say, into the lives of pet owners and their children, as as most of us consider them to be. Yeah? Of course. And, you know, we have so many people that live on in so many different ways in this country. And it's important to protect everybody, um, not just the people that can afford healthcare or to be protected. So if that means, you know, expanding our options and providing alternatives, then we should all be doing that. And that's really the goal. You know, one of my colleagues has a degree in public health and spent a lot of time working with in the public health sector in Trinidad. So she really saw the damage and the potential. I mean, we're in a global pandemic now based on an animal transmitting a disease to a human. So we have to be extra cautious and really make sure that we're all educated when we're making these decisions both from an emotional perspective and a scientific perspective. Yes, very well said. Um, how do you get your clients? I mean, I know that I was referred to a cremator um, at my vet, um, but is that the way that you get most of your clients? Yeah, that's correct. So we work directly with the veterinary community. The goal is not to... To eliminate that middleman, the vets are really our allies and those are the leaders in the animal welfare community. A lot of these vets have seen your pets from puppy from first vaccination 
until their last breath. And we respect that relationship so much. So the idea is that, yes, we work directly with your vet. I know most of the vets in the community um, and have a relationship with them. And so they are aware when people have reached out to me on Facebook, I then direct them back to their veterinarian. And I will, of course, connect with their veterinarian and let them know that that person had reached out. So, so yes, the idea is that we go directly through your vet and we continue helping build that bridge and that relationship with vet to client. Yeah, that, that relationship is very important. And it's one that we have discussed at length with many vets on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> and in fact, the last cat that I cremated, Pear, he was poisoned. Oh, and gosh. when I asked the vet to do a necropsy, she actually asked me if I, what, I, what exactly I wanted to do because she didn't want to, dis, you know, what's the word? To to treat his body with 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 the kind of respect and integrity yeah. that that I would have wanted and I mean it may not have been the best time for me to to have that conversation but I said you know just do whatever you have to do I would like to know if at all if you can if you can find the reason for his death and I then do what you have to do but I guess that is the most appropriate person to have the conversation with but in the event that the client wants something else. Do you ever come into that conversation and have have a conversation with the client and the vet perhaps about what wants to be done? Of course. Yes. So yeah. So I'm I'm here in support of whatever is needed. I do know that sometimes um, that grief is hard and we're not all great at dealing with it. I lost my mom four years ago actually has helped me be to be able to have conversations with people that are making really complicated decisions and really challenging in a really challenging time where you're sort of making a permanent decision for some something you someone you love so um yeah I'm I've I've stepped into that conversation when after I've already discussed it with the vet Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I always want to make sure that the vet has all of the information first. It's complicated a lot of times. It's not a, a black and white or a cut and dry situation. And I don't want to have any influence in their decision. I just want to be there to support the vet and to make sure that I'm a soft place to fall for whatever the client needs. Gotcha. So what, apart from the actual cremation of the body, what other services do you provide? 
So we also have urns. You can find those on our Facebook page. We have um, some traditional type urns. We also have wearable urns. You know, it's really up to your taste and what, what you'd like. I think the beauty of cremation is it does allow you time to grieve without having to make a permanent decision. It allows us a moment to pause and breathe and make and, and decide, do we want to scatter the ashes? Did my dog love Tobago? Do I take my dog to Tobago? You know, and, and really make a decision that feels right. So we also, for those clients that are concerned about whether or not it is their body and their ashes, we do offer video proof. I do know that this sounds very morbid. So it is not a graphic video. It's just an opportunity for us to make sure that they feel comfortable knowing that we have their best interests, that we are taking good care of their pet. And this is a service that we offer for anybody who wants their ashes back. Um, it's not for everybody, but we just want to make sure that we are being super transparent and clear with our intentions. And I think that that for us is the best way to do it. If somebody wanted to come and be a part of the cremation, we also offer that as a service. That's something they would speak to their veterinarian about though. And then then speak with their veterinarian about how to um, develop that strategy. So they are welcome to come and do a small memorial. We are located in Dago and they can do a small memorial and they can be present when we say goodbye to their pet. But it really is something that I would discuss with their veterinarian to make sure that we have all of the right information and all of the parts in place. That is awesome. I actually thinking about that I would have loved to do that for my for my pets it it, it offers another layer of you know of comfort for that, right. that grief that you feel because in as much as it is a convenient way of saying goodbye to your pet it's also a bit impersonal in the sense that how I have done it before is that you know I would take the animal to the vet and then I'm asked, Do, would you like to cremate? I would say yes. The people will come and collect the body. And then I'm called, the vet calls me a, a week later or whatever to say, come and collect the ashes. So it's, it's very impersonal. And it's, there's not any interaction with the people who are actually taking custody of, of, your, of your pet. So it's, it's very helpful to know that, that you offer that service so that people can really say, uh, a proper farewell in the way that, you know, you would imagine because people, I don't think a lot, in fact, on the last occasion when I, when I cremated my cat and I posted a picture of the ceramic jar that I put right. his remains in and someone commented, cremation boy you really love that <laughs> and I was like yes <laughs> a part of the family I mean how often do you have that kind of reaction from people that the surprise that that people would actually cremate their pets you know we do we do sort of get that reaction sometimes um I think the the biggest reaction is from people that want to cremate exotic pets oh. right it's just not traditional but mm. birds and rabbits, but love is love, right? And when yes. an animal make an impact on our life, your grief is not compartmentalized. You know, we don't grieve that way. Our grief is, is all encompassing. So I think it doesn't matter what the animal, what the breed, what the age. And 
So we do get those remarks occasionally, but we get that anyways, because we're in a veterinary community when, you know, it's like what I was telling you about my husband and how he grew yeah. up. Never imagined that this <laughs> service that people, you know, really needed. Yeah. And so, you know, even for him, as he's watched this process and seen me go through this process with, oh, you know, all the government agencies and all of that, I, can't, I don't think he would imagine another way to save mm. our pets now. Right. Correct. Well, and especially too, if you if you look at sort of the population of the cities growing and high rise buildings and con- we don't have the traditional living situations anymore where we live in home, you know, a lot of renting you're not in the same position to bury and know that that animal is going to be next to your house in the yard that they loved for the next 50 years. You know, we don't know what the next four years hold. We don't know if we're going to buy a house and maybe you're going to want to bury your ashes at that house. So we get all kinds of different reactions, but because of the sort of shift and love for animals and their pets, I, I think it's the same as the funny reactions we get to people when they see our dogs in clothes. <laughs> you know, and they see they see me with my dog in my handbag at Starbucks. I think that, yeah, I get those reactions all day, every day. Yeah, I hear you. I wanted to to get a sense and to give our audience a sense of the process. So, can you describe the process from collection to to ashes, so that people will have an idea of what you do and what their animal's body is going through. Sure. So what we would do is when we accept the body, we make sure that it is tagged with the client's name and the pet's name and all the information regarding the pet to ensure that there can't be any lines crossed, right? We want to make sure that we know exactly whose loved ones we're saying goodbye to. Before we say goodbye to the pet, we remove all tags, leads. So we do suggest that people remove those things um, when they are making that challenging decision with the vet, or we ask that the vet does that. An eco-friendly crematorium, we do not burn any non-organic materials. We don't burn any bags. So if there is a blanket or something like that, we understand the emotional uh, attachment but it is our mission to be both animal friendly and eco friendly. So we would remove all of that. And then from there, we say goodbye to the animal. We place it into the crematorium. Depending on the size of the animal, it usually takes on average, I'd say about an hour and a half to complete the process. If it is a private burn, if it's somebody that wants their ashes back, then the animal would be alone in the crematorium. So we do make sure that there is no chance that there is ashes crossing or that you would get any any other animal back. Once the burn is complete, then we pull out all what's left, which was essentially just be bone fragments. And we pull all of that out. We allow that to cool. Then that's blended and it is put into a small biodegradable box and labeled with your pet's name. We would then call your veterinarian or call the client, depending on the relationship, and um, and allow them to come and get their their loved one. Gotcha. Is there anything that you um, request of apart from the uh, non biodegradable diseases? And is there anything that the vet needs to do before he or she hands over the body to you? No, we have communicated with the vet the importance of making sure that there's no no non organic materials. 
because as I said, we do want to protect our community and the neighborhood that we live in and make sure that there's none of that uh, toxins, plastics, those sorts of things going in. We also request that no catheters, um, no medical material, no casts, anything that is, um, is left with the, with the body. We do double check, sure, but we do, we do ask that beforehand. Um, or if the animal does have any plates, or any sort of metal material within its body if the vet or the client just lets us know so that we can be well prepared for that. Right. Yes. Gotcha. And once the, once the ashes are, are returned to the, to the owner, is there anything that like, for instance, if, if I wanted to create something with the ashes that I have, could I do that with you as well? As far as like a memorial or. Yeah. Yeah. So we have been in contact with some companies that do do um, like nameplates. So if you did decide that you wanted to bury your cat, then connect you with with other advocates who can can create a nameplate that you could put in your yard as well. We don't do that, but we definitely know members of the community that can assist with that. Okay, great. Great. Sounds great. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share about Trinidad Pet Crematorium contact details or anything else about the staff that work there before we wrap up? Well, we are a small business, but we, as I said, we do, we are in, um, in connection with all of the vets in Trinidad. They're all aware of us. But if anybody has any additional questions, they can surely reach out to me on Facebook. I'm really transparent, happy to answer any questions. All of our permits and everything are public. So people can, you know, look into that as they want if they just if they want more information on it being eco-friendly and low emissions. But we are happy to answer any questions. My phone number is actually on the Facebook page under Trinidad Pet Crematorium. And I answer all of the messages. So if anyone has any questions, if they are in the process of planning an afterlife strategy to support, I also on that page, you know, encourage people to act as a support group for each other, to post pictures of their pets that they miss. You're surrounded by a community of people who understand how important pets are in our lives and how hard it can be when they leave our lives. So, um, you know, I encourage people to build that community and to really lean on each other. Yep. That is very important. Kristen, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with us on Animalia. I'm sure that our audience will be very delighted to hear the services that Trinidad Pet Crematorium has to offer. And we wish you all the best. And we hope that people will consider cremation as a, a final option for your pets. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate the exposure. And, and you know, just like every other aspect of animal welfare, information and education are really, really key. So as much as, you know, you continue doing what you're doing and exposing people to some of the, you know, innovative ways that we're treating animals now and, and all of that, I think is really, really crucial and important. So thank you for doing this. My commentary this week is about cats, <laughs> but before you groan, hear me out. I want to talk about a specific kind of cat, and for good reason. 
I heard a story last week about acts of cruelty perpetrated against cats in a certain community. Not because they were being a nuisance, but because of their color. The old wives' tales and the negative sentiments many people have about cats is multiplied tenfold when they are black. One person decided he would beat and torture the black cats in the area because he believed them to be evil. The irony. But this is a common practice, and not just in TNT. Because of the color of their fur, their association with witchcraft, the plague, superstitions, and many other misnomers throughout history, black cats are unfortunately reviled. But I'm here to share some positive facts about black cats that you probably didn't know. The fear of black cats has a name, Mavrogatphobia. Mavrogatphobia. There are many historical origins of this specific phobia, which according to the Anxiety Disorders Association of America, afflicts about 9% of Americans. The earliest hypothesis of a human's fear of black cats states that our prehistoric ancestors greatly feared the saber-toothed tiger, a vicious, primitive feline, and as such, humans avoided them to survive. There are two holidays dedicated to black cats, National Black Cat Day, which was first adopted in the UK on the 27th of October, and National Black Cat Appreciation Day, which is the 27th of August in the US. Black cats get their fur color from melanin granules, which are widely dispersed across their fur, giving them their rich black coat. The black fur color has evolved for generations for one main reason. It enhances hunting capabilities, especially in the dark. Black fur can also attract warmth on a much higher level than lighter colors. Cats are beautiful, fascinating, and friendly creatures. It may take some unlearning to break any association with bad luck and omens of death, but black cats, like any other animal, wishes to be cared for by loving humans. And I'll end with this interesting fact. There is some evidence that black cats may actually outlive other domestic cat breeds. This is credit to the gene responsible for their fur color. The gene is linked to protection against certain diseases. Now, if that's not lucky, I don't know what is. This week's Rescue Me hopes to find a loving home for two adorable pups. Here's Kristen with more. went into a clinic here in the West called Sunnyview when she had tremendous skin issues in me. And she has made such a transformation. When she first went into the clinic, we feared that she was dog aggressive. We weren't sure. And now she is thriving and loving and playful and just such a delight. So I would just love to see Penny get some attention. She's a medium-sized mixed breed black dog with a few little white patches on her. And she's really, really special. There's also a little boy called Woody. Um, he is another Tompak Rescue, and he's also very sweet, fantastic with kids, great family dog. He's currently in foster, just like Penny, but they're both looking for forever homes. Many thanks to Kristen and all the folks at Trinidad Pet Crematorium for all that you do. Check out their Facebook page for more information about the services they provide. Join us in two weeks for another interview with an amazing person doing their part 
to advance the cause of animal welfare. I'm Natasha, and until next time, take good care and remember, love off your pets. Bye-bye.